Good evening. Yoo-hoo, everybody in the house of the Lord. Anyone home? Yeah, praise God. Good to see every one of you here this evening. And, um, and then thank the worship team for, for leading us in a powerful time of worship and for Yiki for sharing even about her, her life and, and even before she led that song. How many of you have seen the movie Moana? <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. The rest of us, the, I, mean, I mean, the rest of you cannot go to a movie, right? Because it's bad to watch movies, right, in the cinema, you know? No. I've seen the movie, I saw the movie halfway at home, right? And uh, I was watching it, and very interestingly, if, you, if you've seen the movie, you would know the movie is about, it's about this young girl who was the village chief's daughter and how she was to succeed her father. And uh, how everybody in the village was always afraid to go out beyond the reefs. Right, because they were told, cannot, you cannot go out beyond the reef because it's dangerous beyond the reef. But this young girl, she had a passion, she had a dream. She had something in her that said, I want to go beyond. I want to go beyond the reefs. I want to, I want to, to, to see what's beyond there. There must be something more beyond there. And the whole story revolves around it. Yes, there's a lot of other, other elements in it because it's about their culture, about the, the Hawaiian culture, the Samoan culture, and, all, and, and their folk tales and so on and so forth. But... The essence of it was about this young girl who had a dream. The essence of it was this young girl who dared to stand up against the norm. What about you and about me today? Today, the title of my sermon is actually Against All Odds. Against All Odds. If Nick, you can help me project that out. Or whoever is at the back, it's in the server. Oops. Yeah, it's in the server. Yeah, yeah, I've already uploaded it in the server. If you can just pull it out for me. It's called Against All Odds. It's always amused me why some people stand out from the crowd and some people just blend in. Why do some people stand out in the crowd but some just blend in? In my many years in this church, you know, I've grown up in this church for... for, for this is like many, many years already. Okay? I was in this church since I was 13 years old. And I've seen people who have come and gone in this church. I've seen how some people who were there in my life when I was a youth, people like Kenneth, who came to my house, we did projects together, we made posters and done, done things together for, for our youth meetings then. And he's still here today. Come on, let's praise God for those people who have been faithfully serving the Lord all these years. And what? There are some who have come and they have gone. What makes some people stay? What makes some people stand out in the crowd, but yet some who just crumble in the face of challenge, perhaps, or perhaps face up due to some circumstance? That, that always intrigued me. That always intrigued me till today when I look at lives of different ones who have come and gone. I'm at a vantage point where I can see younger ministers, I can see my peers, some of them who are no longer in the ministry, who are in, in, school, in Bible school together with me, who are no longer in the ministry. I've seen those ones who are older, who have now gone home to be with the Lord and sat in their funeral services and seen how testimonies upon testimonies of how people talk about how great, this man and this woman of God is. 
I've sat in those services, people crying and saying, you know, this man, this woman has gone, done this, 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 has gone all the way. But what marks, a dif- what marks the difference between one that has lasted all the way and those who have just blended in and not make it? If you turn with me to Joshua chapter 14, verse 6 to 12. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. You still can't find it, is it, Nick? It's not in the server. Okay, can somebody just tell us, the PMP team, because it's actually inside there somewhere. Yeah, if you can, somebody just tell that Chen Lam to double-check it. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. To 12. We come to a very familiar scripture, yeah, and uh, I think all of us know the story about, about Joshua and Caleb, and this is the point where they are now about to go in and enter into the land, alright, so this is a story about how Caleb is claiming is his inheritance, okay, if you can just flash up for me, Joshua chapter 14 verse 6 to 12, okay, let's read this together, 1, 2, 3. Now, the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. Next verse. Yes. Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Go on. Now, then, just as the Lord promised, he was kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Verse 12, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his word. Amen. Here we see this Bible verse talks about how they are now at this point. The Israelites are at this point where They have wandered for 40 years. 40 years and another 5 years of battle trying, along the way, trying to drive out all the other enemies and they are right now at this point where they are going to go into the promised land. Caleb here says and he recounts that he was 40 years old when Moses first sent him out. You can read that, go back and read it, Numbers chapter 13 and 14, you will understand that how Moses sent out the 12 spies to check out the land for intelligence so that they will know how to fight the battle in the land. Okay, so they were sent out, 12 of them, and how many of them came back with bad reports? 12, it's only 12 people. How many came back with bad reports? 10. 
10 came back with bad reports and how many came back with good reports? Two, that's right. No, 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 no magic trick there. 10 and 2. But why only two came back with good reports? Why only two people out of the 12 of them came back with good reports? I shared this with my, the young adult leaders when we were, we were meeting one day at LCEL. And I very quickly turned to one of our actuaries, those, the person doing actuary, and I said, how many percent is that? Huh? Two out of 12 is what? Wow, very quickly, you know, without a blink of eye, he went, 16.67%. And it's true, it's 16.67%. Only 16.67% people got it. You know what? Not everyone's going to get this message today. And I get it. Not everyone is going to understand what I'm trying to say today. And I get it. Because even in those days, only 16.67% got, got it and understood what God was doing. Some of you have already switched off and say, oh, I know what she's going to preach about. I know what she's going to say already. Let's think about what, what to have for dinner. Did not all 12 of them witness what God did? Did not all 12 of them See the deliverance of the Lord from Egypt. Did not all 12 spy, they were all there when the Passover happened, where the children of Israel, their firstborn was spared, but only the Egyptians' firstborn was taken. Were they all not there? Were they all not there when they came to the point where the Red Sea was before them and the armies of Egypt were behind were they not there when Moses stretched forth the staff and the sea opened? They were all there. They all crossed the Red Sea together. Every single one of these Israelites who were there at that point, they saw what God could do and what God had done. Were they all not there? They were there. Were they not there to see the cloud of, of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day protecting them and guiding them, leading them every step of the way? Were they not there when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and received the law and then he came down and he was full of the glory of God? They were all there. But why would only two persons out of the twelve dare to speak up and say that they could take the land. Does that not put some questions in you? Why? Why only 16.67%? Let's bring that closer to home. Have we all not been saved? Brought out from darkness into His marvellous light? Have we all not in one at one 
point of our lives receive God's grace and experience how good He is, experience His power and His, and His perfection and His glory over our lives, His deliverance, and how He has dragged, pulled us out from our situations, how He has pulled us out from trying moments even at, at home, trying moments at work, trying moments at different, different things in your life, the challenges that you go through. But yet, When there's a call for greater commitment and greater ministry, only the handful respond. It is a phenomenon all across the churches, regardless of size. That most churches, only 20% of people are involved. And that's why you see repeated people are doing multiple roles in most churches. Why is it only those few that will respond? Have we all not experienced the goodness and the providence of God in our lives? Had the other ten spies and the tribes, the ten other tribes, not seen God do His work? That when, when Caleb and Joshua stood up and silenced the crowd, you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to stone them to death. What is the difference? What makes these two men so outstanding? What makes Caleb so outstanding, especially? We all hear a lot about Joshua. We talk a lot about Joshua and, and how he succeeded Moses as the next leader. But Caleb played an important, important role. You must understand Caleb. You know, some of us say, you know, yeah, he's from a good lineage. He was from a good family. He's from a good clan, good tribe. Therefore, he is what he is today. Some of you, you know, you are in a good place in your life. You were born with such a, a loving family. You were born in such a wonderful situation. But, you know, Pastor Gwen, I'm not like that. You know, I was born, my, my situation is so terrible. Do you know that Caleb was not even a Jew by birth? That he was adopted into the Israelite family. If you go back and you do your histor historical studies, you will understand Caleb the Canaanite was not even born Jew. But he was accepted and he was adopted into the family and he became who he is because he knew his God. So don't go blaming your past. What makes these heroes of faith? What makes people stand up through those trying moments when they see the giants in their lives but yet not crumble under the challenge? People like Sister Julie and Captain Wong, how you have walked through and the, the challenges that you went through as Norman was going through the situation, you are my hero. You stood firm. Unshaken. Your faith was unshaken. What makes it so different for those people who go through their giants, go through their mountains, but yet they stand firm? Two out of twelve. Two out of twelve.
12 over years, 13 over years, is it, is it 13? I can't even remember how many years we've been here in this property. When the pastor, when Pastor Vincent and the leadership went around to scout the area, this place was nothing. It was a warehouse. We came and we saw and we said, huh, like this, uh, that's it. No one saw the potential in this place. But it was because the leadership of this church, the pastors of this church had a vision and saw something beyond just that warehouse. And that's why you and I are seated right here today in this property. They saw through the eyes of faith. It amuses me, it really amuses me, why Caleb and Joshua were the way they were. Why? And how each and every one of us, too, can allow the Lord to use our circumstance, allow the Lord to teach us some of these ways so that you and I can face and thrive against all odds in our faith. Amen? How many of you want to be accounted for your faith? Because at the end of the day, it's not about your achievements. It's not about anything else. It's about you being accounted for your faith. Don't we all want that to be amongst the 16.67? Or prayerfully, this church will even break its record of 20%. It will be 30%, 40%, 50%, 60%, 70%, 80% of people who would volunteer and who would be a part of, with that greater commitment for the Lord. Amen? Amen? But what did they do? What did they have that, was, that marked their faith? Firstly, Caleb was focused. Caleb was focused. To be able to face it all for so many years, Caleb was focused. He was focused. You know, I used to play this game called Farm Frenzy. I don't know how many of you know these games. Hey, don't judge me. Lah. I play games. One. I, I play games. You know, I play Sum Sum or so, you know. <gasps> yeah, I play Sum Sum. I'm terrible. I play Marble Sum Sum, okay? Yeah. Hey, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't drink up, I, I play games lah, okay, once in a while. Yeah, so I play games at this game called Farm Frenzy. And it's a very interesting game because this game, at every level, you're supposed to collect a certain amount of, of, um, uh, of goods in the farm. Okay, you either, they say they want five loaves of bread or they want like five cartons of milk. Okay, so it's a whole farm, farm, farm game where you, from starting of, of, Getting water into the well, then from the well you put it into the grass, and then the grass will grow, then you can put the chicken there, the chicken will eat the worm, and then the cow, it goes on, okay, basically it goes on. And then when you, when you are supposed to make a bread, which means you need chicken eggs and the milk, so you have to make sure there's enough chicken to have the legs, and then, basically you get the idea, right? So, <laughs> so you know, I, rem I remember playing that game, and, and a lot of times I would have to stop halfway the game, and because I forgot what my focus was. I forgot what in the world was my end goal and objective because you get so distracted by rearing the chicken, by making sure the cows got enough food to eat, by having, collecting the milk and then go and sell it at the market. It's, it's, it's that complicated like the game, okay? But it was, it's, it's that, that kind of game that caused me to take a step back halfway through and remember this. Did you know that it's so easy to lose focus in what you are supposed to do? In the midst of doing all the peripheral things, in the midst of getting other things, to get to your objective, sometimes we do a lot of these other things and we get distracted with all these other things. 
So I was distracted. I was distracted with, with the eggs. I was distracted with the cartons. I was, and then you forget, oh, actually, you cannot sell all the eggs because you need the eggs to make the loaf of bread. You know, things like that. And it caused me to think, in life, it's so similar as well. Do you know that it's very easily to get distracted, distracted from the purposes of God that, has, that God has placed in your life? Perhaps God has placed a dream, a vision, a call in your life, but in the midst of all the distractions, of all the things that have, have happened, it has distracted you. You got a job and you felt that, you know, this is the place that God wanted you to be. You're so happy when you receive the confirmation letter and you say, yes, God, you've answered my prayer. I'm going to make an impact in this company. And then, as the years go on, you get caught up in office politics. You get caught up with, with trying to, to, to gain success and you try to do what you need to do and you forget why in the world God placed you there. You enter the business world and you say that I'm going to make an impact in the business world. I'm going to be a businessman that is ethical, that is this, that is that. And, and that's your, that was the purest of intention. But along the way, you get distracted with all the deals, with all the situations that are around you and you get distracted. You get so excited when your baby was born. You see so many of them like, dedicated their baby today and you take pictures of your baby and you know, you're so blessed and you're like, oh, it's so cute, it's so cute. And then they reach teenage years. And you'll be like, what in the world happened? Do you know, if you watch Animal Planet, <laughs> if you watch Animal Planet, that a certain type of bees, okay, this bumblebee, I think it's a bumblebee, a certain type of bee, they will lay their eggs, and when the bees hatch, they will fly around, the baby bees, right? But when they reach adolescent, right, you know what happens? The parent bees actually quickly gather them and stuff them back in the hive, and then seal up the hive so that they can go crazy inside the hive. And then when they grow older, they are matured, then they open the hole, and then they start coming out. Maybe we should do that with our teenagers. <laughs> we keep them in until their hormones are stable. Then we get them out. We open a hole and they can figure it out. Then we open a the hole, they can come out. You go through the arguments, you go through the frustration, you go through, you know, they, they, they fight back, and go situations, and you fight suddenly, what in the world am I doing? What in the world am I doing? Your dreams, your aspirations for the child, your dream, your aspiration for, for anything in life, after a while, you can't even remember what you were fighting for. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you serving? Why are you, you know, you look at the situations, you look at ministry and you say that, you see, you think, you know, I don't think I'm making, I'm making, I'm making little to no impact in my situation. And it's so easy to lose focus. The reason why God placed you where you are. There was a purpose, there was a call, there was a dream, there was a vision, there was an excitement. Do you know that it was very easy for Caleb to lose attention and lose his focus? You're talking about 45 years later. This speech that he had in Joshua chapter 14 is 45 years later. In the midst of that 45 years, 
you fight the battles you had to go through, people persecuting you and scorning you and laughing at you, at your dreams, at your desire, at what you think God has said, has said to you and to your people. It's so easy to crumble under the voice of the majority. It's so easy to just, never mind, what for I fight them? It's okay, you know, I'll just go with the flow. Why go through the hassle of standing up to something that nobody else believes in? Why? Will God really lead us to the promised land? The Bible says, because of their disobedience, if you read in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, because of the disobedience of the 10 other spies, the other tribes, those who were aged, not 28, 20, 20 and above, did not enter the promised land. Those who were aged 20 and above, who were from the other tribes, did not enter the promised land. As a result, a whole generation died in their wandering of about 38 years they were wandering. Can you imagine if about 1 million people are in that group? In that 38 years, someone actually calculated that, you know, at least one day, 73 people had to die to kill off all 1 million of them before they could enter the promised land. 73 people. I don't know how many deaths you all see in the hospitals as a doctor. I don't think it's 73. But 73 people who would be around you, pop, 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 die because of diseases, because of sickness, because of whatever circumstance, they die. 73 people, that's a lot of graves to dig every day. Do you know it's very easy to be distracted by by all that's happening? It's very easy to be focused on the death, very easy to be despondent and say that, God, this is so hard to take. It's my relative that is dying. That it's my distant relative. That was what Joshua and Caleb had to go through. 73 people at least. Some of them who went to battle earlier, a big group of them had died. So it may not be so evenly spread out. But at least 73 people would have to die a day in order for 1 million people to die in 38 years. How many of us have been distracted and have been despondent because you thought this was your journey and everyone was going to come along with you, but yet not everybody made it? You thought you would see your parents grow old, earn the money for them, take them for trips, but along the way, they didn't make it. And it can be very despond- you, can, you can be very discouraged, and you can focus on the deaths. He could have been distracted because of the deaths. Caleb could have been focused on the giants, just like his fellow spies. The ten of them, the, all twelve of them saw it. The land was filled with milk and honey, but there are spies. There are spies. They are they are giants but they are inhabited by giants. You know, after, maybe at the spur of the moment, maybe at the spur of the moment, you are gung-ho, you are very excited, and you saw this, and you say, I can, I can, because you just remembered, right, God delivered you. At the spur of the moment, no problem, can, we can go and conquer the giants. But one year, two years, three years, four years, five years down the line, you start thinking to yourself, maybe I was a bit mad. Maybe, just maybe, I... What have I done? Well, I opened my big mouth, you know, and I, tell, I said that can, 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 
can, we can conquer the land. Are you crazy? The giants are huge. Doubts can set in. Because at the spur of the moment, it seems like, yes, you know, you have somebody next to you, Joshua, also say, can, can, can. Both of you say, can. Then you look at each other, you're stupid, like, you're crazy, like, you... I don't think can, law after so many years. 30 years, 40 years, 45 years, and the giants are still there. He could have been focused on the giants just as the rest of the spies were. Just as the rest of the crowd was. They were all focused spice, on the giants, on the giants. They were so focused on the giants that they were in fear of the giants. The fear set in to grip them and they couldn't move on. But not Caleb. Caleb was focused on God and what he said he would do. Caleb was focused on God and what he said he would do. Caleb was focused on God and what he said he would do. Please remember this. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 20. If you're writing down notes, just take that note down. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 20 onwards. It talks about how the people were the ones who requested for the spies to go in. It wasn't God's idea. Because God had already told them, you will enter the land and you will conquer the land. But it was the people themselves who said, excuse me, I think we should spend in 12 spies lah, you know. And then now uh, we, we should scout out intelligence and see how the strategy is, how we can fight them and how fortify their city. No, we can, we can strategize. Because men again thought that they were cleverer than God. And as a result, the 10 came back and gave the negative reports. But what did God say? You will possess the land. You will possess the land. You will enter that land and you will possess the land. The rest of the Israelites were focused on their past. Caleb and Joshua focused on their future. Some of us, just like the Israelites, you may have been physically delivered from your Egypt, but spiritually we're still stuck there. Physically, you're out of Egypt. That was the rest of the Israelites. They physically, they were out of Egypt. But spiritually, they were still in Egypt. They were not delivered from their Egypt. Because they still remembered how it was then. They still remembered their oppressed, their oppressed life and how they felt that they were so little in the eyes of the Egyptians. That was the same mindset that they had and they carried right through even till that day. And some of us seated right here, we're still, we're delivered physically from our Egypt, but your mindset and your spirit man is still stuck in your Egypt. You still look back and you still say, I can't, I can't, I can't. When God said, you can, you can, you can. Caleb was focused. He is now 85 years old. The Bible says he was 85 years old. How many of us, I've heard it so often, people who are older would say things like, ah, my time is up, let the younger ones take over.
Caleb was 85 years old. And he says this, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out to spy the land. I pray and hope that every single one of us will continue that faith, no matter how young or how old we are. He was 40 years old when he went to spy the land. He was in his middle age, probably with young children as well. How many of us have said, yeah, my season is not, not, not yet because I have my kids, I have my situations, I have my this, I have my loans, I have my this and that and all my career and, and so on and so forth. Caleb was 40 years old when he started and making that stand for God and all the way. It was never, it was never, no one moment that he ceased to follow after God and to lead people where he, they were supposed to go. And at 85 years old, he can still say that, after 45 years, I am still as vigorous today as I was before. So no matter how young or how old you are, there are no excuses. Because God has called you for a purpose, for a season, for something that He has intended for your life. Even if it takes 45 years for it to be accomplished, God can still do it. What have you been praying for? What have you been seeking after? What has what God placed in your heart, in your spirit to do? What has God, what, have, what was the focus? What was the meaning of why you are where you are today? God says, I will make it come to pass. It could be 45 years later. It could be four and a half years later. It could be four and a half months later. It could be in a week's time. But will you remain focused? Will you remain focused? Can I have the next slide, please? Where is your focus? The infamous white piece of paper with a black dot. Did we all not spot the black dot? The potential in that piece of paper is great. The potential in what God has for your life is great. It's not finished yet. Those of you who are older and you think, you would think, your days of living is shorter than the days that you've already lived. But God's purpose for your life is still ongoing, right to the day you breathe your last. Where is your focus? Is it on that black dot or is it on the potential that God has placed in your heart and in your spirit? I don't know what potential and what God has called and put in your heart and in your spirit. I don't know whether it's a land, whether it's a career, whether it's a dream, whether it's a call of God that it's God has placed so deeply in your life. Don't be distracted. As a car needs servicing and realignment, a lot of times we also need servicing and realignment. We always need to be reminded that God has a greater plan. Because sometimes when there are giants along our way, it blocks our view from what God really wants for us. And we get so affected by all the things that are happening around us, that you lose your focus. 
Where is your focus? There is still hope in that situation. There is still hope. No matter how trying it may be, it was very trying for Caleb. He could have bailed out. Where is your focus? In this next picture, you will see cross-section of two brains. Two brains that of the, of the same age, of two different children of the same age, and they did an MRI of this brain. And it talks about, it is actually a study on the serious effects of negative parenting and the science behind them. The serious effect of negative parenting and the science behind them. Mariana Klabanov, this lady who is the co-author of The Critical Role of Parenting in Human Development. She works as an attorney with a specialty in matters relating to child welfare and family violence. She says this, We all intuitively know that the way a child is parented has a deep and indelible impact on a child's life. But now, thanks to ever more detailed brain scans and scientific research, we're learning just how important parenting actually is. What happens during a child's formative years directly impacts the brain's, brain's growth and development, and not always for the better. When a parent's behaviour does not create a loving, supportive environment, the child's brain develops, develops in altered form. Dysfunctional, irrational and destructive behaviour, patterns are literally programmed into a child's brain, setting the stage for recurring issues throughout the child's life. Among the host of scientific studies, on these studies, the research in Washington University shows that children nurtured, of nurturing mothers have much larger, healthier brains. Furthermore, the hippocamy of neglected children were up to 10% smaller than those of children with caring, loving mothers. This is significant because the hippocampus is the region of the brain responsible for memory, stress control, learning, and other cognitive tasks. But of course, it's only when we translate this scientific lingo into real-life consequences that the serious implications of this research truly come to light. So this lady, she's talking about when you do a scan between a normal child who has been nurtured and loved and, and be... be um, showered with good things and, and goodness in their lives, how their brains develop. And an extreme neglect child, a child that was neglected, a child that was abused, a child that, is, that has been fed negatively, yeah, how it affects their brain development. Uh, brings me to the second point. That you need to be filled with the right things. You need to be filled with the right things. Recently, I shared about a, a journey that I was embarking on with some, to somebody. And uh, this person was, was just very excited for me and, and she texted and she said this, you know, I just felt the Lord said to me to, to remind you that, you know, you're going to be so full of God. You're going to be so full. Be ready to be filled by God. So I thought, uh, okay, you know, it sounds like one of those, yeah, yeah, God, more of you, less of me kind of messages, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it, to be filled with God. I need to be filled with God. 
And then when I did a study about this, this scripture here, and what made Caleb so different from the rest of them was in six times, it was repeated six times throughout different scriptures. If you're taking notes, it's found in Numbers chapter 14, 24. Uh, Numbers chapter 14, 24, 32, 11, and 12. Deuteronomy 1, 36. Joshua 14, 8, 9, and 14. It says, Caleb wholly followed after God. Caleb wholly followed after God. What does it mean to be wholly followed after God? When I did a bit of a study, the, the word holy, it actually means filled. Filled. To be filled. To be filled with God. Caleb was filled with God. Caleb was so full of God, he was so committed to God, he was so full of God that it purged out every negativity, every doubt, every fear, everything that everyone else was talking about, it was purged out of him because there was no space for all those other things because he was so full of God. Just like a child, if you fill the child with negativity, if you fill the child with neglect, if you fill the child with always condemning the child, you are stupid, you are ugly, you are dysfunctional, you are, and all that, trust me, the child will grow up feeling as such. If you surround yourself with negative reports all the time, you're posting things on Facebook, hoping for people to give you answers, You read the news and you read, no problem with reading news, please. But we read the news and we let the negativity set in. Because everything you read about, you read about the government, you read about the economic situation, you read about all these things, it seems like we are all headed down south. What are you being filled with? What are you being filled with? Caleb wholly followed after the Lord. He was filled with God. Filled with God that he was so confident in what God could do in his life and in that situation. He was not afraid of the, the giants. He was not afraid of the fortified cities. He was not afraid of all the challenges because God already had said that this is what is going to be given to you. What are you being filled with? You sit together and we talk about other people. This one's not good, that one's not good, that one is this, that one is that. You know, no, no, this one, this one, you know, this leader like this, and then that person like this, and then oh, everybody we can talk about. And we fill ourselves with the negativity, we fill ourselves with rubbish, we fill ourselves with all sorts, but the word of God, but godly counsel. When was the last time you read the Word of God? When was the last time you, you really held on to the Word of God? When was the last time you listened to godly counsel and really followed it? Caleb was filled. Caleb was filled with God. Don't fill yourself with stories of giants and obstacles. Don't fill yourselves with stories of giant and let it eat into your spirit. That's exactly what the 10 spies said. 
Yes, the land is filled with milk and honey, but there are giants in there. Then it let them fill them. It consumed them so much that they didn't dare to move forward. We are the same as well. Yes, I know that God is good. I know that God is unchanging. I know that God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide for all my need. I know that, that God is all-powerful. I know. I know it. But, but, Pastor, you don't understand. My situation is the worst situation ever in, the, in, in anybody's life, you know, because nobody else in this world goes through it. I get it. I get it. I know some of you go through really tough situations. But if you keep filling yourself with the negativity, if you keep filling yourself with words that are not, that, that, that can cause you to, to be negative and be pulled down and be stripped of your faith and be shaken in your faith, you will be amongst the 87% who will not make it. Because every one of us have to, has a story. Every one of us will have a story of how difficult things are, how trying times are, how, you know, it's, it's tough for me because of this, 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 this. How difficult for me because I had a situation like this. I have a boss like this. We have a government like this. We have, we have, we have whatever. The different giants in our lives. Yes, and I don't disregard those giants. They are there. But what does your God say? Your God says, go in and possess the land. Your God says, stay focused on me. Your God says, be filled with what I want to do. Be filled with my word. Be filled with my confidence. Be filled with my direction. Be filled with my wisdom. Be filled with my spirit. Not any other spirit. Hello? Anybody home? Are you all still here? Be filled with God. So full of Him that you make decisions that may even defy human understanding and logic. We are not called to go with the flow and just be sucked into what majority says. We are called to stand above our circumstance and know that our God is able to deliver. Our God is able to deliver our enemies into our hands. Our God is able to turn situations around for His glory and for His namesake. Our God is able to shift things around in His time. Maybe it even takes 45 years. Amen? 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 I'm not speaking to you in a lofty manner, thinking that, yeah, I know it all. I've gone through, we've all gone through different challenges in our lives. But if you stay focused, realign yourself to what God wants you to do. You stay filled with only God and God's promises over your life. Something will happen. It will happen. And lastly, don't turn me off. Lastly, 
is we need to be faithful. Caleb was faithful. Faithful. What do you mean? It sounds like such a generic word. Caleb was faithful. Caleb had the attribute of faithfulness. Do you know that incidentally, Caleb's name means dog, D-O-G, dog. And, um, but dog in that time does not mean, you know, those your cute little chihuahua or your cute little poodle that ah, comes to you and your cute little pet roll, roll around and, and all that. They were wild animals, they were daring, they were fierce. And that was what he was. He was wild, he was daring, he was fierce, he was daring to say, we can take the giants, no problem, we can take it, let's go! Let's go! Come, let's go! With that, that, that energy that he had in him. But if you bring it back to the context of a dog today as well, it also matches because he was such a faithful and loyal dog. There is a theology that goes around that says a cat-dog theology. Where there is, they say that, you know, whether, what theology do you follow? Are you a, the cat theology person or are you a dog theology person? Because you know how cats are? When they, when they want something from you, they will come to meow, meow, and they will rub their head, their head on your, on your, on your, on your legs and, you know, and want you to sayang and want you to do whatever, cuddle them and all that. But then sometimes when you call them, sweetie, come, sweetie, come, come, please come. They will just, hmm. Because they don't need you. But then, if you are a dog, the dog theology is that the dog is always loyal. Come here, Spunky. <laughs> All the time, Spunky is always so Spunky and he will run after you and he will sit at your feet even if you shoo, shoo, and he will still <laughs> look at you and he's, he's such adoring eyes and Spunky is always there by your side. Caleb had a characteristic of faithfulness that was amazing. In the years of ministry, since coming to full-time in Bible school, all these years, about, about 19, 20 years now, if there's one thing I've learned, is that my goal in life is not to be successful. Hear me out. Listen. And my goal in life is not to be successful. And my goal in life is to be faithful. Because God will always grant success to whatever you are faithful in. Your goal in life is not to be successful. Your goal in life is to be faithful. Because God will always grant success to whatever you are faithful in. Because at the end of the day, God's not going to say this, well done, thou good and successful servant. God will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You may not appear on the Forbes magazine. You may not appear on Malaysian Tatler. You may not even appear in New Straits Times. So kasihan. 
New Straits Times also cannot appear. Cosmo also cannot. But God always rewards the faithful. You're not called to be successful, you're called to be faithful. And as you are faithful in whatever God has given you, He will grant you success in whatever you are faithful in. As a result of Caleb's faithfulness, he inherited Hebron. Hebron is one of the best real estates in town. It was 3,000 feet above sea level. It was nicely wooded. It was the place, a very significant place where Abraham, Isaac and, and Jacob were buried. It was a place that everybody wanted a piece of. Caleb inherited Hebron because of his faithfulness. There is a survey done about missionaries in, in America. That out of a hundred missionaries that are sent forth to the different nations of the world, about 80% will leave within five years. 10% will leave within 10 years. And another 6% that will leave within 20 years. It's not getting easier. The journey with the Lord, our walk with God, our everyday life, Everything that we go through, all the challenges that we are coming, we are facing in our lives, in our circumstance, is not getting easier. I am not demeaning it. I'm not saying that, that you know, it's so simplistic, you know, just be faithful and everything will be well. Do you know that Caleb did not receive the land just like that? If you go on reading about what happened, Caleb still had to fight for that land. He still had to go in. He still had to drive out the three sons of Anak, which are the giants. He still had to drive them out personally together with his clan and before he could take that land. It is not like as if magic, you know, you become faithful, you're focused, you're filled, right? Magic, suddenly, you're, that's your inheritance. Pop, there you get it. You still have to fight for it. You still have to be faithful in it. You still have to go through the different battles to be where God wants you to be. You will still have to go through it. But faithfulness is key, not success. Commitment or faithfulness, faithfulness or commitment is a quality decision made with discipline and faith. You hear me? Commitment is a quality decision made with discipline and faith. Because there will be moments where you are troubled, there will be moments where you are clouded and muddled by all the surrounding situations and it will take discipline for you to stay focused. It will take discipline for you to only hear what God has to say in your life and it will take faith for you to take that step to do what, not, what is not the norm and carry on until right to the end. Because commitment is a quality decision made with discipline and faith. We all need discipline and faith today in order to do what God has asked you to do, in order to fulfill what God has placed in your heart, in your life. That is what you need because faithfulness is a quality decision. It is a choice that you and I 
have to make. Focused, focused on your future, focus on what God has spoken over your life. You need to be filled, filled so much with God that you know, that you know, that you know in your spirit that He is what He says He is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And you need to be faithful. And that is a choice. That is a choice that you can make. Thus, thank you for being faithful. The years that you were on your wheelchair and you were still able and you were healthy, you went through all that, the kyoku. We've seen you doing it. Despite your challenges, you did not use those as your giants and gave excuse for your situation. You were faithful because it was a choice you made. No matter how sick you got, you went through it. Thank you. This journey is, is a road. The choices that you make is a road. It's really road less travel. It's the road less travel. Many of us will succumb to the majority. Many of us will succumb to what others have said. Many of us will succumb to advice that is given by people who will say, it's okay, you've done your part, no need to fight anymore, you know, let the younger ones do it. Many of us will succumb to say that, yeah, you know, it's bad, it's not going to work, you know, you better think of an escape plan. You better think of doing something else, it's not going to work. But if God has given you that promise, choose the road less travelled. Choose the road less travel. It may be a narrow road. It may be a tough road. It may take 45 years, 50 years. But choose the road less travel. And now here's the hook. Because of Caleb's choice, because of Caleb's determination in his heart to follow wholly after God, do you know that because of what he did, it had brought blessings from generation to generation to generation after. Your decisions today does not just affect you. Your choices to stay on course, your choices to honour God, your choices to follow after God wholeheartedly is not just going to affect you and your cute little family now. It affects you from generation to generation to generation because Caleb the Kenizzite is from the tribe of Judah. And from the tribe of Judah is where the lineage of, of Jesse was, where the lineage of King David was, where the lineage of Solomon was, where the lineage, if you read down in Matthew chapter 1, that's where the lineage of the humble carpenter Joseph is from. Where Jesus Christ was born to his family. Your choices today on how you want to live out your faith has lasting impact to generations upon generations upon generations upon generations. Against all odds, exactly the way God wants it.
against all odds. Can we get the worship team to come up, please? Like I said, not everyone will get this message today. Perhaps a handful of you would grasp it, of what it takes to withstand the challenges that are before us. What it takes to not just be a namesake Christian, but to be one that is focused on what God's promises are over your life. To be focused and to be filled with so much of God that you purge out every insecurity and every doubt, every fear. That you remain faithful. That choice, that quality decision made with discipline and faith that will carry you out throughout. Because God is a faithful God. He is unchanging. And because He is unchanging, you can hold on to Him and hold on to His words. 45 years later, did God not fulfill His promise over Caleb and over the tribe of, and over the Israelites? Yes, He did. He brought them into the promised land. He was unchanging then. He is unchanging now. Whatever you're going through, God says He will see you through it because He is a good God. He will see you through. Amen. Let's worship the Lord with this song.